Welcome to our Friday Night Frights. It is Roxy's Wicker from New England Curiosities welcoming you here on this very special night, our special theme night this evening. But it's a cold, chilly night and it's absolutely perfect just to curl up and hear some of the folklore about Edgar Allan Poe. I want to share my experience of what it was like to actually go and visit his grave in Baltimore, Maryland back in 2014. So of course, as we get ready to begin, you know me, we have to go ahead and light a candle or two to set the mood and certainly to honor the spirit of Edgar Allan Poe. You know, I think we've all grown up having heard a story about Edgar Allan Poe or watched one of his movies or certainly all of the people that have been influenced by the works of Poe. Everyone from Stephen King to Alfred Hitchcock. Would we have their fantastic stories if it wasn't for Edgar Allan Poe and his influence and his creativity, let alone his very tragic tale? I'm really excited to share that with you tonight. And the way we're going to do our storytelling tonight is we're gonna do it in sort of breaks and pieces. So I wanna cover the story of Edgar Allan Poe himself, and I wanna intersperse that with some of his tales as well. And of course we could do the Raven, you know, naturally, you know, the Raven is a huge favorite of um, I think a lot of people, myself included. But um, I'm gonna leave the Raven out there because um, if you have not looked up Vincent Price reading the Raven, um, on YouTube. When we're done tonight, pop over to YouTube and listen to Vincent Price recite The Raven. Or even uh, James Earl Jones has done The Raven. I'm going to leave that for the master, so I'm not even going to touch The Raven. I might even go and listen to it afterwards. But I'm going to share some of his shorter works and certainly um, some spooky ones at that. And so in between sharing some of his writings, I want to share some of his stories as well. And believe it or not, I'm actually surprised that a lot of people don't know some of the backstory of Edgar Allan Poe and certainly his connection to New England and Massachusetts specifically. So I wanted to um, to share some of that this evening. I am really, really happy to say that the city that I was born in is the same city that Edgar Allan Poe was born in, um, Boston, Massachusetts. Although the house nor the street where Edgar Allan Poe um, was born 
no longer stands. Um, he was born on January 19th, 1809. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to focus on Poe this month. Um, I would have liked to have done a storytelling night on January 19th, but this is, um, this is pretty close. So it is that time, you know, of year, you know, where we're, we're thinking about Poe and certainly, um, you know, reminiscing on uh, what it would have been like uh, back in Boston in 1809 here in New England and, and maybe elsewhere. Um, in 2009, so 200 years after the birth of Edgar Allan Poe, the city decided to rename a small plaza just across from the Boston Common, which as you know, we've talked about being super mega crazy haunted, the Boston Common, stories for another day, or you can go back into our archives and check those out. So they decided to rename um, this plaza. And I found it interesting because Poe really wrote off Boston. Uh, he really made, um, you know, Baltimore, Maryland sort of his, you know, sort of his uh, connection. And um, in fact, if you didn't know, uh, the team um, in Baltimore, it's actually called the Baltimore Ravens after Edgar Allan Poe. And there's a, a house that you can visit that Poe lived in for a time with his aunt in Baltimore, Maryland. But his association, even though he was born in Boston, is actually a lot more um, with Baltimore, Maryland. And I think that's probably why a lot of people don't think of his connection to Boston. And he never really spoke fondly of Boston. Very interesting to note. Now, if you are in Boston and you are standing at um, the intersection of Boylston and Charles Street, be careful and look both ways before you cross the street. But um, you will see that there is the life-size statue of Edgar Allan Poe that's there. It has a lot of the characters from his stories um, around him. You know, he's got the raven there and he's he's moving very quickly through this space in this beautiful sculpture. And when I look at that, it just kind of reminds me of how quickly he moved through life and um, how life just seemed to, to throw so many things at him. And I think his life was, you know, as strange and gloomy and at times just as macabre. And even his death was just as macabre as some of the stories that he wrote about. I think there's, you know, there's such a such an influence there. So getting back to his beginning. So he was born um, to a pair of actors, um, Elizabeth Arnold Poe and David Poe Jr. And by the age of three years old, both of Edgar Allan Poe's parents had died. Can you imagine? He was whisked away to Richmond, Virginia. He lived with a man named John Allen. Now, John Allen was um, a man who was pretty well-to-do. He, um, you know, worked in the uh, tobacco industry and decided that, um, you know, he was going to send, uh, send Poe to uh, the University of Virginia. And when he sent Poe, um, to school, he, you know, I guess he was kind of a stingy guy and decided that he wasn't going to send him with all the money that he needed. And things became a little bit desperate for Poe. And in order for Poe to stay warm in the winter, there is an account that he had actually taken some of the furniture in his room and burned it in the fireplace to stay warm. So how you know, how strange is that? He, you know, he was staying with this man who had all of, you know, this money who was supposed to take him in and look after him. 
you know, some, some consider him, you know, he may have been his godfather. He had to burn, um, you know, burn furniture in order to stay warm. Um, there's definitely something wrong with that right there. And of course, Poe liked to gamble and his, you know, godfather didn't like that um, he was a gambler and Poe decided to um, essentially drop out of school and he returned home only to find that his beloved fiance had become engaged to another man. So um, absolutely amazing. Like I said, we're going to take a, um, a little pause there and I'm gonna break out um, one of uh, the Poe poems. Now I do want to mention, as you see me um, sort of duck around here, I have so many things around me. Um, this, which nobody really ever gets to see. Um, this is my own personal journal that I started about 25 years ago. And it is full of um, lots of Edgar Allan Poe um, poems and stories, um, things that really influenced me along the way, drawings that I've made. So I'm just gonna flip through here for one quick second. And I wanna pull up one of those poems. And really, I think, you know, in all of my readings about Poe over the years, um, I really think that he had a love of words and the way that he described things um, really was quite amazing. So I'm going to start with um, this particular poem. And it reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, of Portsmouth, you know, Portsmouth being from 1623 and our great cobblestone streets and our beautiful old homes. And this is actually called the Village Street. So I'm going to share this this um, work by Edgar Allan Poe, and then we're going to get back to his story, and of course, the legends and lore and the macabre mystery that surrounds his death. All right. The Village Street by Edgar Allan Poe. In these rapid, restless shadows, once I walked at eventide, when a gentle, silent maiden walked in beauty at my side. She alone walked there beside me, all in beauty like a bride. Pallidly, the moon was shining on the dewy meadows nigh, on the silvery, silent rivers, on the mountains far and high, on the ocean's starlit waters, where the winds a weary die. Slowly, silently, we wandered from the open cottage door, underneath the elm's long branches, to the pavement bending o'er, underneath the mossy willow, and the dying sycamore, with the myriad stars and beauty, all bedight, the heavens were seen. Radiant hopes were bright all around me, like the light of stars serene, like the mellow midnight splendor of night's erratic queen. Audibly, the elm leaves whispered peaceful, pleasant melodies, like the distant murmured music of unquiet, lovely seas. While the winds were hushed in slumber, in the fragrant flowers and trees, wondrous and unwanted beauty, still adorning all did seem. When I told my love in fables neath the willows by the stream, would the heart have kept unspoken love that was its rarest dream? Instantly we wandered in the shadowy twilight tide. She, the silent, scornful maiden, 
walking calmly at my side. With a step serene and stately, all in beauty, all in pride. Vacantly I walked beside her. On the earth mine eyes were cast. Swift and keen there came unto me. Ritter memories of the past. On me, like the rain in autumn. On the dead leaves, cold and fast. Underneath the elms we parted by the lowly cottage door. One brief word alone was uttered, never on our lips before. And away I walked forlornly, broken-hearted evermore. Slowly, silently, I loitered, homeward in the night, alone. Sudden anguish bound my spirit that my youth had never known. Wild unrest like that which cometh when the night's first dream hath flown. Now to me the elm leaves whisper, mad, discordant melodies, and keen melodies like shadows haunt the moaning willow trees, and the sycamores with laughter mock me in the nightly breeze. Sad and pale the autumn moonlight through the sighing foliage streams, and each morning midnight shadow, shadow of my sorrow seems. Strive, O heart, Forget thine idol, and O soul, forget thy dreams. So that was The Village Street by Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, heartbreaking, right? Absolutely heartbreaking. All right, so we're going to get back to a few more of his works, but let's get back to his story. And, and certainly, um, if you have uh, any comments that you'd like to share about that or any emotion that it made you feel and you're feeling all sherry, um, you can feel free to uh, share that in your in the comments. Oh, poor Poe. He goes back and finds his fiancée engaged to another man. So what does he do? Well, he decides to come back to Boston. So he leaves, comes back, and joins the military. Now, this is a, a very interesting aspect of the story where his godfather, Alan, decided that he was actually going to pay his way out of service. And he ended up going back and enrolled at West Point. Um, and I actually visited West Point, um, gosh, I think it was probably um, maybe 2009, 2010. I was actually in um, in Connecticut, New York, and I was doing a tour for my Haunted Cemeteries of New England book. And you know, if I'm ever um, out there making appearances, signing books, I'm always investigating the local area. And I remember um, West Point along the, the Hudson River. It was beautiful. It was a uh, late summer and it was um, just an amazing place. And, you know, as the years have gone by and I've pieced, you know, all these places that Poe has has gone and that I've sort of, um, you know, uh, crossed paths with it at times. Um, it's really just just amazing. Of course, uh, as I mentioned, he was, you know, enrolled at West Point and there was an entire week where he didn't show up for classes. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. So things, unfortunately, um, didn't go well and he was expelled. So he decided to go to Baltimore, Maryland. And um, again, you know, having family in the area, he thought that he might be able to reconnect with his family and establish some roots. 
and he goes to Baltimore, Maryland, finds his cousins, and his cousins actually rob him. Can you imagine? Family members, they rob him. So um, he ended up being taken in by his aunt, and this is, this is the time where he really started writing some short stories. He actually uh, won a contest for one of his stories and received... Um, professional position in, in working for a publication. He really thought that this might be the door to open a future for him, that he really, you know, started to intensify his writings. Again, very much developing, um, you know, his own his own style. And again, the, the way he puts his words together is very, you know, very, very lyrically. While he was busy writing, of course, you know, Poe, you know, the ever the romantic, he had fallen in love um, with a girl, Virginia. And when I say girl, Virginia, I hate to tell you, she was a girl. Um, she was actually his cousin and she was 13 years old to his 27 years old when they got married. Um, you know, again, it's the 19th century. Um, things were very different back then. Um, but yeah, uh, he was 27 and Virginia was just 13. By all accounts, um, they did seem very happy together. Although um, Poe wasn't, uh, you know, raking in the cash and he really was trying to get his career going. And it wasn't until, um, you know, there were a few works that were published, but it really wasn't until 1845 when, of course, The Raven was published. And The Raven really brought him to a whole new level um, as a writer, a poet, and an author, and really opened up um, a lot of doors for him. However, with every happy moment, for Poe, there always seemed to be a tragic moment not too far behind, right? So it was the winter of 1847 when Virginia died from tuberculosis. And once again, at Grandma's Poe, his heart was completely broken. So he left and went back to Virginia and found his original fiancée. Elmira. And somehow there seemed to be a, a turn for the right direction. They were engaged. It seemed as though, uh, you know, life might be turning itself around until a fateful train ride from Philadelphia. And we're going to leave it there and crack back into our book for another story. So... What do you think happened after that fateful train ride? Now, remember, um, you know, the, the death of Poe was not too long um, after he had gotten engaged. So let's bring up a, another, another um, Poe piece. And again, just the, the, the heartbreak and, and the sorrow, you can just see it in, in the words. So this is a piece by Poe, it's called Alone. And um, we'll get back to um, his story in just a minute. But let's go into this piece. So Alone by Edgar Allan Poe. 
From childhood's hour, I have not been as others were. I have not seen as others saw. I could not bring my passions from a common spring. From the same source I have not taken. My sorrow I could not awaken. My heart to joy at the same tone. And all I loved, I loved alone. Then, in my childhood, in the dawn of a most stormy night, was drawn from every depth of good and ill, the mystery which binds me still from the torrent or the fountain, from the red cliff of the mountain, from the sun that round me rolled in its autumn tint of gold, from the lightning in the sky, as it passed me flying by from the thunder and the storm and the cloud that took the form when the rest of heaven was blue of a demon in my view. So alone, by Edgar Allan Poe. Again, you can just see the you know, words of emotion and you know, how, how different, um, he expresses himself through his works. You know, there's, um, there's so much of that, you know, deep sense of all that he was going through, um, just reflected, you know, it's almost as you read every poem, every story, there's so much of him that's reflected in there. So, um, again, that was alone. So Poe is on the train from Philadelphia, and he's got some business to attend to. Well, strangely enough, there is a mystery as to what happened for several days, because Poe actually went missing. Um, he must have arrived at some point um, back in Baltimore, Maryland, and his whereabouts could not be accounted for. All of a sudden, he turns up outside a tavern, which unfortunately no longer exists. I went looking for it when I was down in uh, Baltimore, and he turned up in a ditch, um, incoherent. And um, some say drunk, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of different accounts, there's different theories as to what had happened. Um, one of the theories is that he may have been beaten up, um, he may have been robbed, he may have been forced to vote. There was even talk that there was some sort of medical issue that Poe may have had in regards to alcohol, that some um, hereditary medical issue made it difficult for Poe to drink alcohol and that if he had one drink that he would just be overwhelmed and um, very incoherent. So he turns up and he ends up um, being brought to the hospital and there's um, there actually are uh, some some writings out there about him being in the hospital and um, never really fully coming out of this experience of him being pulled off of the street. 
that no matter how people tried to connect with him, there was definitely something that was off about him and no one could quite understand why. Um, there are, again, some other theories that he may have um, experienced an injury that possibly had hurt his brain and caused some brain swelling. Um, again, there's there's so many different thoughts as to what could have happened. And there were even um, some, you know, some, uh, you know, theories about, um, you know, things that he may have been into, that there could have been some sort of revenge coming out to him. Nobody really knows for sure, but it is um, very intriguing to try to figure out what had happened. So before we, we talk about Poe's tragic end, let's do another, another Poe writing. All right. So, so now that we've, we've pulled Poe out of the ditch, he's gone to the hospital. Let's do a piece by Poe. You might know this one. This one um, tends to be a, a little bit more on the popular side. A dream within a dream. So Edgar Allan Poe. Take this kiss upon the brow, and in parting from you now, thus much let me avow. You are not wrong who deem that my days have been a dream. Yet if hope has flown away in a night or in a day, in a vision or in none, is it therefore the less gone? All that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. I stand amid the roar of a surf-tormented shore, and I hold within my hand grains of the golden sand. How few, yet how they creep through my fingers to the deep, while I weep, while I weep. Oh God, can I not grasp them tighter with a clasp? Oh God, can I not save one from the pitiless wave? All that we see or seem, but a dream within a dream. So how fitting for Poe, who was, again, discovered lying in the stitch. And if you have... Um, you know, a, a theory or um, an idea as to what um, sort of foul play he met with, um, feel free to uh, to add that into the comments again, because there are, um, there's just so many theories. And I honestly think that we will, um, you know, we will never really know what happened to Poe. Um, and I think that is, you know, part of, you know, part of the lure of his story. So he's at, you know, um, the hospital, Washington Medical College. The doctor had noted that the clothes that he was wearing were very disheveled and they didn't even appear to fit him right. And it was thought that someone had changed his clothes. And again, this is where, um, you know, there is the theory that maybe he was in some sort of disguise for some reason that, um, you know, again, that foul play, you know, why wasn't he in clothes that um, were supposed to be his it's very interesting that um, there's folks that say his, uh, you know, his last words were, you know, Lord, help my poor soul. And um, his death was was ruled uh, um, inflammation of the brain. It's still it's not 100 percent sure. Um, again, some people say he was, you know, 
doing the, the voting, which was called cooping back in the day. They would pay you for your vote and they would reward you with a drink. And that maybe it was because of the cooping that he was killed. Again, we'll leave that for, uh, for you to decide. But it was um, October 7th, 1849, and Poe was just 40 years old and he was dead. You would think that that might be the end of the story. But there is still more mystery and intrigue um, after his death. So he ended up um, being buried in, um, in Baltimore, Maryland. However, he was buried on a gloomy, rainy day. And this man who had seen some success up to that point very few people actually showed up for his funeral. To make matters worse, the gravestone that initially had been ordered for him was hit in part by a train. It could not be placed over his grave. So there was just a simple marker. So the few people that were there um, at his funeral on this cold, gloomy, rainy day which really seemed to, to suit Poe. Do you know the minister would not even read a sermon because he felt that there were not enough people that were there? How strange is that, right? You would think that, you know, there would be this, you know, um, big send-off for Poe or, you know, certainly um, a prayer and um, some form of eulogy, graveside. A marker eventually came um, and was placed on his grave. However, um, it wasn't even 30 years later, he was disinterred and moved to a different section of the burial ground. So if you look at the pictures that I posted, you'll see the one where I'm sitting um, at the marker where he is interred right now. However, you'll see the other marker there that actually has the raven on it. That is where he originally was interred. Now, when he was disinterred, even in death, poor Poe could not catch a break. And when his coffin was exhumed, the coffin broke and his remains tumbled out of the coffin. Well, when his remains tumbled out of the coffin, there were stories about viewing his skull. And again, there's lots of different theories out there. And it was said that a mass could be viewed inside the skull that may have actually have been a tumor on his brain, which some people believe may have accounted for his mannerisms when he was in the hospital and um, the whole reason why he didn't really um, know where he was or could explain what had happened for the last days of his life. Can you, can you picture this scene, if you will? They pull up the coffin. They're going to put him under this big marker there, which again, you can see I'm seated at the marker, a beautiful white marble marker. And the coffin breaks and there is the remains of Poe tumbling out and people scrambling to pick up 
the remains and move it over to this new grave. Like, I mean, honestly. So he's interred now um, at the, uh, the front of the um, Westminster Cemetery. Let me just describe to you. Uh, so it was, it, I'm, I'm seeing it in my mind. So I'm down in Baltimore and visiting um, Poe's grave was one of my bucket list things. And again, this was um, a few years back. So I've got my GPS and I'm trying to find my way. And um, I ended up on the, on the wrong street in the wrong neighborhood. And um, I was getting all anxious because I wanted to make sure that I got there before dark. And um, finally, I've, I've, you know, rerouted myself, asked some questions, found my way, pulled up, and you can see the, the picture of the gates, walked in past the gates. Of course, you'll see, you know, right there immediately as you go in, there is the grave for Poe. But I wanted to visit his original burial site, which was further down the back. So if you look at the photograph of the pathway, so I walk down the pathway and there's these, um, you know, there's a few mausoleums back there and some beautiful Victorian stones. And just imagining the path of them walking the coffin up to um, his current burial site. And at what point on that path did that accident happen? So I went back, looked at the original um, site, looked at the stone there and then walked back up. And of course, um, you know, Poe's grave is one that you can, you can see people come to all the time, many, many times on a daily basis. There are many things on his grave, you know, there were, um, flowers and there were coins. And if you're wondering, um, why there were, um, so many coins, um, on Poe's grave. There's lots of pennies on the grave. And there are a couple of theories as to why pennies are put on a grave. And again, you know, feel free to, to add your own. I'm just sharing, you know, some of the different thoughts out there. But some people believe that pennies are put on a grave. So if you are crossing the river Styx as the, you know, death comes to take you to cross the river of souls that you have to pay the ferryman and that you would have to have coins to pay the ferryman. So some people will sometimes leave coins on a grave for a safe passage through the underworld to the other side. Um, there were stories, you know, again, um, throughout history of coins being put over the eyes of a corpse as well, again, to help them pass through the other side. In some Jewish traditions, it is thought that leaving a coin on a grave is um, a sentiment or a token of value that you valued this person. So seeing the grave with the flowers and the coins and the different tokens that were there, um, there is definitely a, a magnetic sense of energy, just wanting to sit there and um, contemplate everything that he had seen and what he had been through. And again, um, the legacy that he's, he's left behind, which, you know, again, it, it's, it's, you know, right down through, you know, our generation and the younger generations too, of, you know, everybody that's been inspired by him. Like I said, you know, Alfred Hitchcock, um, you know, Stephen King, it's really, really quite amazing. So all of these people that have been influenced by him, um, you know, so many movies, so many books, 
books um, by this one man whose life was just so, so tragic to, to sit there and contemplate that. Now, of course, um, a lot of people know the story of the Poe Toaster. This was a man, well, maybe not a man, I shouldn't say that. This was a person, because we don't really know who um, the Poe Toaster was. But this was a person um, who showed up at Poe's grave. And he, this person started showing up at his grave back in 1949. 1949. Every January 19th would stop at, um, stop at the grave and leave three roses and a bottle of cognac. Again, there's a lot of uh, thought as to who this could be. There's even some mystery that maybe it was a number of people that were um, presumably the Poe Toaster. Maybe it was, you know, a different person that came every year. And um, people would almost sit in vigil to try and see if they could see the elusive Poe Toaster. But um, since 2009, the Poe Toaster has not showed up. Um, so maybe the Poe Toaster has gone over to, um, to uh, the great beyond. And um, I want to share uh, another um Poe piece with you, trying to uh, match up uh, these Poe pieces with our story this evening. Um, so now, you know, picture me sitting there next to the grave. I would like to do Edgar Allan Poe's piece, The Spirits of the Dead. Thy soul shall find itself alone. Mid dark thoughts of the gray tombstone, not one of all the crowd to pry into thine hour of secrecy. Be silent in that solitude, which is not loneliness, for then the spirits of the dead, who stood in life before thee, are again in death around thee, and their will shall overshadow thee. Be still. The night, though clear, shall frown, and the stars shall not look down from their high thrones in the heaven with light like hopes to mortals given. But their red orbs without beam to thy weariness shall seem as a burning in a fever which would cling to thee forever. Now are thoughts thou shalt not banish. Now are visions near to vanish. From thy spirit shall they pass. No more like dewdrop from the grass. The breeze, the breath of God, is still. And the mist upon the hill. Shadowy, shadowy, yet unbroken is a symbol and a token, how it hangs upon the trees, a mystery of mysteries. There's a piece to read while you're sitting graveside next to Edgar Allan Poe, Spirits of the Dead. So what do you, what do you glean from that piece? Now, as, as you all know, um, your mystery maven over here um, obviously is a firm believer 
in the spirits of the great beyond. I mean, this is, this is what I do. This is, this is where I live. Um, I hear stories from people all the time. Um, does that piece speak of Poe's belief beyond the grave of spirits and, you know, looking, looking at you? Um, I mean, the, the whole, the whole section here. I'm going to read this little section again because it really, um, it really makes me feel like he believed in spirits. Be silent in that solitude, which is not loneliness. For then the spirits of the dead who stood in life before thee are again in death around thee and their will shall overshadow thee. Be still. So is that be still and listen, be still and feel them there, be still and think of them, be still and be aware that they are there. Um, very, you know, very, very inspiring me. Um, I, you know, again, my um, book here of, you know, way back in the day, what was influencing, you know, Roxy as a young writer. Um, Lots of these pieces really made me sit down and think about the afterlife. And certainly so many, you know, so many stories of Poe's, you know, talk about um, the afterlife and conscience and our uh, interaction with, with the dead. Um, and again, that's, you know, another avenue that we could certainly go down. But I really, I, I just, I love this piece and thinking about being, you know, being at his grave, you know, and, and what that meant. I think he just found the words to express a lot of, you know, what we were feeling and what we were thinking. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's one of those people, you know, when people ask, you know, well, if you ever go back in time and meet somebody, you know, I get that, that question, um, when we're in cemeteries or when I'm, you know, when I'm out at talks, people are like, well, if there was anybody back in history that you could go and meet, definitely at the top of my list is, um, you know, is Edgar Allan Poe. It just, it, without question, um, it is definitely Edgar Allan Poe. Who, who would, who would yours be? Would it be Poe if you had the opportunity to go back and meet him? Would you, would you believe, um, that maybe his spirit walks amongst us? I don't, there's a lot of, lot of different, um, a lot of different stories out there. And also keep in mind, you know, Poe's time um, also overlaps with the spiritualist movement, right? We talk about the spiritualist movement a lot, you know, in the 19th century. Um, seances, table tipping, um, spirit photography, which also, um, you know, kind of got its start in Boston, Massachusetts as well. Um, there was a lot of um, want and wondering of what was going on. Um, when people passed away, certainly the Civil War added so much to that. You know, we, we lost so many, you know, family members and sometimes not knowing what happened to them and wanting that connection with the other side. Um, I've always found the 19th century very, very intriguing and certainly one of, um, you know, one of the, the people that I, I found intriguing was obviously Edgar Allan Poe. But I truly think that he was right in line with uh, a lot of the beliefs at the time and certainly um, questioning, you know, what happens when we go and certainly giving us these fantastical um, images 
in, in a way that um, he could only give to us. So um, I'm going to share one more piece by Edgar Allan Poe. Any guesses what it might be? It's one of the more famous ones, um, but it also has to do with the sea. And if you know anything about me, I do love the ocean, um, you know, right up the road. Uh, you can be there in just mere minutes are the roaring waters of the Atlantic Ocean. Of course, we are also on the other side of the full moon. So perfect night to be doing this. So I am going to do dun, 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 Annabelle Lee. So let's um, close out our hour together with Annabelle Lee and a few um, final thoughts, that heart and that emotion. And um, we'll do Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe and um, a few thoughts after that before we close out the evening. Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe. It was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea that a maiden there lived whom you may know by the name of Annabelle Lee. And this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child and she was a child in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabelle Lee with a love that the winged seraphists of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago, in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud, chilling my beautiful Annabelle Lee, so that her high-born kinsmen came and bore her away from me, to shut her up in a sepulcher in this kingdom by the sea. The angels, not half so happy in heaven, went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know, in this kingdom by the sea. That the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabelle Lee. But our love, it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we of many far wiser than we, and neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down in the sea can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabelle Lee, and the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And so all the night tide, I lie down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride. In her sepulcher, there by the sea, in her tomb by the sounding sea. Oh. Take a moment to soak that in. Again, the, the picture, the heartache, the tortured soul that was Edgar Allan Poe. For us to be able to read these words and try and get a glimpse 
into the mind of this man who, you know, only walked this earth for 40 years and yet leaves us with so many questions, leaves us inspired, um, leaves us frightened after, you know, some of his stories. Um, I think we, we, you know, just were getting to to know, you know, more about him. And then, you know, this ill turn of events, not unlike, you know, the, the ill turns that you would often find in his stories or poems. I really hope that you enjoyed this uh, foray into the world of Edgar Allan Poe. Um, if you if you liked this and you were particularly moved and you're like, wow, I had a really great time, you can drop a couple of coins in the Venmo bucket if you want. But um, we do a lot of events here at Only Curiosities. Um, I try to do free ones all the time as often as possible. And of course, um, I do lots of other things, workshops and virtual tours. This is what we do here at Only Curiosities. We sit and tell stories and ponder the other side. Um, we delve into mysteries and the macabre. And I'm so glad that you kind of pulled up a chair this evening. And and certainly, you know, there's a lot more of Edgar Allan Poe's story. Um, you know, there's pieces that we don't know. I try to, you know, construct our, um, our biography and our event tonight to, um, you know, sort of give you, uh, you know, the the most intriguing parts of the story and certainly to share his writings in between to connect it all together. This session has not been a dream within a dream. It really did happen. We were here together sharing the legends, lore, and mystery and writings of Edgar Allan Poe. And I greatly thank you for joining me tonight. And I hope that I'll see you really soon. So my friends, until we meet again, somewhere out there, stay spooky. And I'll see you really soon.